0: Hey, welcome to night school late last night, I rewatched the video of the original night stalker East area rapist apologizing at his sentencing hearing. I watched that when it happened and it was a very dramatic moment as someone who followed that case very closely long before he was caught. It was an interesting conclusion to everything to actually see him and he had done this whole feeble old man act for most of the trial, most of the events leading up to the sentencing. And he gave it all up, even though he looks like a weird, like Freddy Krueger, old man, like hairless, saggy skin. He very boldly stood up. He'd been acting like he couldn't even walk. And then he <coughs> he boldly stood up, very dramatically took off his coronavi mask which is so weird, like that's such a weird angle to that, that the original Night Stalker East Area Rapist, what revisionists call the Golden State Killer. It's so weird, though, that just the way events worked out, led to this man who was known for being masked when he was hurting people. Just the way world events turned out required him to wear a mask in court just just kind of a funny little twist. But he stood up and he very boldly took his mask off. It was very, very deliberate. Like he knew what he was doing. Like it was almost scripted. And then he just he muttered a short apology. He said, I listened to each and every one of you and I'm truly sorry. (laughs) And uh, it it was interesting rewatching that a year and a half later. And I'm like, Yeah, that really happened that really happened. But you know what I'd forgotten about was they read some letters from his family beforehand. His sister wrote a letter where she apologized to all the victims and she kind of tried to rationalize it like she was saying like our dad was a military man who was very abusive and he he targeted Joe, the killer more than anybody just a sister trying to understand how her brother became such a creature of darkness. But she was apologetic, which I you know, sucks. It sucks that families feel like they have to apologize because their family member did something. And you understand why they do that too. beyond the fact that they might actually be sorry, because they read a letter from his niece. And in her letter, the niece talked about how she came from a rough home and her uncle Joe took her into his home and he was like this wonderful father figure to her and treated her so much better than her family ever treated her. He taught her how to drive. It was this very glowing recollection of her experiences with Joe who it turns out was also the East area rapist. But you know, she obviously had no indications as to who her uncle actually was. And she just recollected her experience with him, which was all positive. And I was reading the comments on it, on the video, and it was crazy how much hatred was directed at the niece. Like an overwhelming amount of the comments were like, that niece is a piece of fucking shit. Oh my God, piece of shit niece much, piece of shit niece much. She didn't even apologize. The victims don't need to hear what a great guy he was. Victims don't need to hear what a great guy he was. Victims don't need to hear what a great guy he was. Victims don't need to hear what a great guy he was. was. Sorry. But uh, people were so hateful and angry at this niece who they don't even know. like, you didn't even apologize to the family once. Why does his niece need to apologize to the family? Isn't she allowed to tell her story? Like, they, they were allowed to read it. And that's what goes on at a sentencing hearing. Family members and people who care about the perpetrator, no matter what they did, speak on their behalf with hopes of them receiving maybe some sort of silver lining to their sentence. That's what takes place at a sentencing hearing. And uh, I was just amazed at the comments. So they were like, that niece is a fucking piece of shit, dude. Fuck that niece, dude. Fuck that niece, dude. What the fuck? The number of people like who weren't just like, oh, the niece could have mentioned something about the victims. The fact that it was just pure hostility, just I was like, oh, yeah, that's how people react to that. And people, the thing is, too, even if the niece had apologized to the victims, even though she doesn't owe them an apology, she didn't do anything. She had an uncle who she had a good relationship with, and she just shared her story. And they carried it over to a sentencing hearing for the judge's consideration, I guess. I don't know. I mean, with a guy like that, it's not going to have any impact on the sentencing, but they do things like that. It's part of the process. But even if the niece had apologized, it really wouldn't have done any good because people were doing that about the sister, too. They were like, oh, yeah, well, the sister, she apologized, but she tried to blame it all on their dad. She apologized, but they tried to blame it all on their dad. They tried to blame it all on their dad. She's trying to blame it all on her dad. And those people's response to that, they were still hateful toward the sister, even though the sister was like, I am so sorry to all the victims. I can't even imagine what you've gone through. And she's just trying to rationalize like how her brother became, like I said, a creature of darkness, which any family member is going to do. How did my own flesh and blood do this? How did he do so many terrible things to so many people? Well, our dad was really abusive to him. But people were mad about that. Oh, the fucking sister trying to blame the dad. How dare you try to blame his problems on the dad. The dad. And, you know, it got me thinking about just how people will send death threats to the family members of somebody who does something. Even something that's not that bad, like I've heard that about like when somebody says something offensive, like if somebody gets in trouble for saying something offensive in today's climate, you hear stories about how people will track down their family members and call them or email them and threaten to kill them. It's like, don't you realize that's so much worse? (laughs) You know, like, don't you realize that that is so much worse? Than whatever their family member did, but it's, you know, it's primal, it's ancient and primal to blame families for what their family member does. And it shows you that that's just in people. Like I thought about that last year when a year or two ago, when people were really going after Hunter bin Biden. When people were just I I totally get that people were curious about his they were they were looking into corruption I totally understand why people would care about potential corruption involving Joe Obama, bin Biden and his son's business dealings. That is relevant, whether you believe it or not. I understand why people would have concerns about that. But just the level of scrutiny that Hunter bin Biden was under. Oh, the crackhead son. Oh, he's just a crackhead son. He's a fucking loser. Look at that fucking loser, crackhead son. Oh my god. You know, when people go on to that, I'm just like, why are you doing that to his kid? Even if he is a loser, what does it matter? And then people do it to Trump, Trump'sfeld's kids as well. Like if you look at uh, like when Donald Trump'sfeld Jr. posts something online, if you look at the comment section of that, it's the most hateful shit you'll ever see. You and dad, they all say daddy to him a lot. They all say like when Donald Trump's Jr. does anything, people go like, why don't you ask daddy about that? He's going to be in jail. Why don't you ask daddy about that when you're sitting in jail with daddy? It's so fucked up. And I understand that like a guy like that, like Donald Trump's Jr. Jr. That he puts himself out there and he has opinions and stuff. But there's this level of hatred that is directed toward the spawn of people. It's not just politicians, because you can see, like, even the relatives of Joseph D'Angelo, the original Night Stalker, like, people want to drag them, too. And when somebody does something, they contact that person's relatives and threaten to kill them. It makes you think of uh, royalty, like when the royal house has fallen You kill the king's son, too. You kill his family. There's something in us that wants to do that. It's almost like that's what people want to do to Jabama bin Biden's son and Donald Trump's son. It's like they want to kill Biden and Trump, but they also want to kill the whole royal line. And it kind of plays into an idea, too, that I was talking about where I was watching this this. I guess commentary on TV it was on one of those cable news shows, and it was a group of pundits, and they hated Trumpsfeld. This is after he left office. They hated Trumpsfeld, and they were just going on about it, and they kind of reached this uh, standstill where they were like, "We just we have to do something about him." Like even though he was out of office, January 666 was in the rearview mirror, you could tell they, they felt so unresolved. And, they, and like you could almost read between the lines, and it was almost like they were saying, deep down, something in their gut was telling them, isn't there something we're supposed to do? Aren't we supposed to lynch this guy? Like, aren't we supposed to execute this guy publicly? It's like the fact that Trump's was such a bitter enemy of them, and he was a leader, that it's like that, that thing deep inside of us that executes the deposed leader that puts it on display, that puts his head on a pike. It's like you could tell they felt something unresolved deep within them that was telling them, aren't we supposed to do something? Isn't there something that we've always done to people like that? And I think it applies to the children as well. And I have this little taste of guilt when it comes to Hunter Bin Biden. Because I think it was last year, I was watching this, uh, just a random podcast. It was an interview with that comedian, Kate Quigley, who I, I, I've never have no real opinion of her one way or another. I imagine she's, she just talks about like sex. I imagine she's one of these comedians who just like talks about being a woman having sex. That's my impression of her, but she happened to be on a random podcast and I just put it on in the background And my ears perked up because she's like, oh, yeah, I'm living in whatever neighborhood in L.A. And my neighbor is Hunter Biden. And we've hung out and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's weird. She was talking about hanging out with Hunter Biden because they live in the same neighborhood. And uh, then later in the interview, she was like the host was like it was it was Joey Diaz, that comedian who used to do a bunch of coke. And he was like warning her. He was like, you got to watch out when you're partying. You got to watch out when you're partying. I can't do him. But uh, he was basically giving her a warning, like, be careful what you put up your nose. And it was this weird, dark synchronicity because the podcast had been from a few days earlier, and I just happened to be listening to it that night. And then literally right after the podcast ended, I just happened to like look at the news and it was like, comedian Kate Quigley overdoses on cocaine at a party next door to her house. And multiple people are dead because there was fentanyl in the cocaine. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I, did, I put two and two together because I was like, she said Hunter Biden is her neighbor. And we know he has a long history of coke and crack and whatever else. And I was like, that's, that's kind of weird that this news report says she overdosed on cocaine laced with fentanyl at a house party in her neighborhood, like next door or something. And she just said that Hunter Biden is her neighbor. And I was like, this seems like one of those things that could get big. I was like, this seems like one of those stories that could get big, even just on a speculative level. And it was also kind of haunting because like in that interview, I'd watched with her. There was a part where Joey Diaz was like warning her about drugs and partying. It just felt very prophetic in this weird, dark synchronicity that out of all people I could listen to on a podcast, I happened to listen to her, somebody I've never paid attention to and never will pay attention to. And she survived and everything. But I was just like, this is so fucked. Like, and then I was like, wow, was she doing cocaine with Hunter Biden? And, you know, I have a Twitter account that I don't really use. I'm a voyeur. I have it just because you have to have one to view things. I'm not a Twitter guy. I just have one just to see shit. But I don't actively use it at all. But when I saw that I posted something about it. I was I don't like nobody pays attention to me or follows me. It's just a totally obscure unknown account. But if you post certain keywords, it attracts attention from random people like anybody who's looking up those keywords will find what you said. And I just posted something about it. I was like, wow, it's weird that Kate Quigley overdosed on cocaine at a house party next door when she just said that Hunter Biden lives in her neighborhood. You know, I I probably shouldn't have said that. Like, that's sort of like, I don't know. It's like some sort of TMZ. It just came to mind. It came to mind. Like, I didn't expect anybody to even see it. And I woke up and... It didn't blow up necessarily, but there were like all these comments and I've never gotten comments on Twitter. Like I said, I don't actively engage with it. But because I had typed the name Hunter Biden, there's like an army of people out there who are just looking for Hunter Biden info. Good and bad. There's people who hate him, who hate Joe Obama, Biden who are looking for it. But the people who noticed it were all these like avowed Democrats And they responded to my comment and their comments were like, you are a fucking piece of human shit. Look at you, you are a piece of garbage for capitalizing on this. But a lot of them were like that sort of language where it was like, you are a piece of fucking human shit, you motherfucker. And I've never had that kind of hatred directed at me, like not online. Like back when I was a teenager, I remember getting into like internet arguments where you'd say mean shit to each other once, you know, once, you know, maybe just a few times. But in my adult life, I have no experience going on to forums or social media and getting involved in fights. Like, yeah, I've had a couple of debates on Facebook before over just issues, philosophical things, politics a little bit. You know, I mentioned just the free speech thing, not politics, but more just things like free speech. But I've never had an interaction really as an adult where there's like strangers responding going, you motherfucking piece of fucking shit. Fuck you. You know, I've never had somebody do that to me. And it was really weird to be on the receiving end of it because you feel something. You really do absorb that, even though I was just kind of like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have uttered the words Hunter Biden. I shouldn't have even mentioned that. It's kind of like Buddhist wrong speak. You know, like the, the precept in Buddhism against wrong speak, like saying something. It's like on an intuitive level. It's like saying something that you know you shouldn't say. That was kind of the feeling I had. I was like, oh yeah, I shouldn't have said anything about that. I basically mentioned like TMZ level gossip with a little dose of a little key bump of conspiracy theory thrown in there. Like, oh, hey, a famous comedian overdosed on cocaine at a house party in her neighborhood right after she did a podcast mentioning that Hunter bin Biden lives in her neighborhood and she hangs out with him. Hmm. Nothing ended up coming of it. That's one of those things, though, where you mention that you almost imagine the Secret Service coming to your door. Like if he was at that party, It's almost like the Secret Service shows up because you've revealed something, which that would just be a terrible end to my story, is if the Secret Service came and killed me because I mentioned that Hunter Ben Biden was doing cocaine with a celebrity. But anyway, just the responses. Like, because I don't even think I said anything bad. It was gossipy. It dealt with the president's son. Maybe it was kind of making light of a tragedy like these comedians overdosing on cocaine and a couple of them dying. I don't think it was the best thing to talk about. And I actually regret saying anything about it on my weird little obscure voyeuristic Twitter account that I barely freaking use. But it was also a lesson. And like, there's people who are going through that all the time. There are people where, like Donald Trump's fell jr. If he posts anything online, it's people like, hey, piece of shit. What are you doing with daddy's money today? Going to jail? Daddy's money is not going to keep you out of jail, you fucking piece of human garbage. Piece of shit. That's how people talk to him all the time. And so there's people who are on the receiving end of that all the time. I mean, you think about whether you like Trump's feld, hate him or are indifferent I've said before, like the amount of just nonstop psychic hatred being directed at Trumpsfeld all the time, especially when he was president, it's just got to be insane to be feeling that because I just got a tiny dose of it. I mentioned one little thing about Hunter Biden, and I had like 20 people. It wasn't like hundreds, but it was like 20 people say mean things to me. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's what people go through there's people who have notifications on their phone. And that's what they have to look forward to. And it doesn't feel good. Like it it didn't affect me. Like it didn't make me feel bad or affect me personally. All it did is make me go, Oh, I should delete that. I have no business putting my toes in that kind of water. And it also told me there's piranhas waiting at all times. Like those people literally have like a keyword notification when someone mentions Hunter Biden. That makes them. They find what people are saying about Hunter Biden so they can scream at them through their keyboard. But uh, it was a lesson for me. I was like, that's why you don't talk about that stuff. Like if you were an ultra celebrity. Even if you're not particularly controversial, you can expect a certain amount of that. Because I've even I've posted things on Twitter where somebody responds to me, like I'll reply to somebody and somebody responds to me like challenging what I said, like, that's not how it is. It's this. And even that doesn't feel good. Like even having somebody try to prove me wrong doesn't feel good. But when it's like this level of just explicit hostility, it's really wild. It's really wild. And it, 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 what made me think of it, though, is like seeing what people were saying about Joseph D'Angelo's niece after his sentencing hearing where it was like just the fact that the the niece said she had a good relationship with her uncle and that was the only side of him she knew. People are like, she is a fucking monster. She's as bad as him. She's as bad as him. That's how people respond. It's so guttural. It's so emotional. It's so disturbing. And it's primal. And it seems to be we just go from one t- that that feeling like that sentiment. It doesn't even seem to matter what the topic at hand is. It just gets applied to everything now. Like we can see that about Ukraine and Russia, where it's like, that's how people are acting about those things, too. That's how they were about coronavirus That's how they were about Trumpsfeld. I mean, I read the Eric Clapton comments on here because they were so funny. That's how people were about Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton announced that he was like vaccine hesitant, (laughs) you know, and like, like I read the comments and there were people like, I wish I could get all the money back from the Eric Clapton concert tickets I bought years ago and donate it to vaccine research. Somebody said that this is a big enough Eric Clapton fan to where they've apparently spent a lot of money on Eric Clapton tickets over the years, and they're so mad at him that they're letting the world know that they wish that they had that money back so they could donate it to VAC research. I wish I had all the money back from drinks I bought at bars over the years so I could donate it to a rehab facility to help drunk people. It's funny where people's minds go. It's always funny, like where people's minds go, like their mind has developed this weird little tunnel. And it just it's like, a, it's like a ball that just rolls down that tunnel and ends up there. It's a groove, the grooves in your mind. But uh, we see where it just doesn't seem to matter what the topic at hand is these hardline emotional opinions just come out of people. I was talking about this with some of my friends. Uh, mafia researchers, some really great guys. Like there's a couple of them that I talk to regularly, but we've started having these group conference calls. I might've mentioned it on here. We're thinking about starting a podcast with all of us. And we were talking about that, how we know some people through the subject of mafia research and mafia history, where they're so opinionated. Like here's a topic that like everybody has access to, you know, the same, maybe not all of the same information, but a lot of it. And some people just take these hardline stances. And there's not any reason for it. It's just like they've chosen this black and white framework. And even though it's like, even though it's this obscure subject that very few people care about, they have this really hardline opinion about it, and they get angry. Like, I think I mentioned a story on here, like getting into an argument with a guy two years ago. And uh, I offered on this discussion group, I offered my own interpretation of some information about a mafia family. And this guy, like, he was calling me a junkie. He was attacking me personally, it was just like pure ad hominem. I had said nothing, I had done nothing personal. I just offered a different opinion. And this guy was calling me every name in the book. It was really wild. It was really wild to go through that. I mean, it comes out of people online, but it's not just the internet. I mean, you see it with people driving. Like, all it takes is being in a car. Even though you can see another human there. Like, think about the way I used to... You know, I noticed that I don't do this anymore. Famous last words. But if I was driving... You know, I've mentioned this before. How, like, I knew that I had changed... Because I stopped uh, like I used to do this thing where like if somebody like didn't use their turn signal or they cut me off, I wouldn't hold up my middle finger. I would hold my middle finger like below the dashboard because I didn't want to actually start a confrontation because I'd been in a couple situations where like one of them that changed my perspective was like where this car kind of like tried to pull and they tried to like go at a four way stop when it was my turn and they refused to stop. And my girlfriend and the girl, the girlfriend of the guy or the wife of the guy in the car, they were both like gritting their teeth, giving each other the finger. And you could really feel it escalating. Like my girlfriend was giving the double bird. This guy's girlfriend was giving the double bird to my girlfriend. And both of us were refusing to back down. Like I I felt it was my turn and I wanted to go And little things like that opened my eyes where I was like, that could so easily go south. There's four people here. There's two of us. There's two of them. The women are giving each other the most menacing, gritted teeth looks, holding their middle fingers up. Ever since things like that happened, I'm like, you know what? I could give the middle finger to somebody and they could blow my head off with a gun. It's not worth it. So I started just Anytime someone would piss me off in a car, I would hold my middle finger below the dashboard so they would never see it, but it satisfied me. And then at one point a few years ago, I realized at one point how stupid that is and that I didn't need to do it. And so I stopped doing it and I was like, that feels great. It feels great to not feel invested in that. It feels great that I don't need to do that anymore. And I I recognize too, I used to curse a lot more in the car. Like I used to be one of those people who's just driving around and anytime somebody does something I don't like, I'd be like, you fucking idiot. Oh my God, look at this. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck the fuck, dude, fuck the fuck, do the fuck. You know, I used to be one of those people. I wouldn't scream out the window, but inside the privacy of my own car, I I would just, I would say really terrible things about people that I'm not going to repeat here. I would, I would say insulting things about those people. And I, I realized that I don't really do that anymore. You know, I'm sure there'll be a situation where I feel that way again, but it feels good to not need to do that. But it's weird how just being in a car, like you can see that person, but just having like a bubble of technology around you makes you feel more comfortable saying and doing things you would ne- you would never do to somebody if you were in the same room together. So it's like just being slightly removed from each other. Having like a little bit of metal and a glass window makes you more comfortable being like, you're a stupid fucking cocksucker. You're stupid fucking cocksucker. You know, it makes you feel comfortable saying really mean, terrible things. It makes you feel comfortable giving them the finger. I mean, it makes people feel comfortable driving like maniacs and cutting people off and tailgating people. Like imagine if you were walking... And somebody tailgated you that way, like you're walking and somebody walks up behind you and is like crowding you from behind, you would kill them. Like if I was walking and somebody like actually like got on my heels, like pressuring me to walk faster, I would just swing an elbow right into their nose and I wouldn't stop because that'd be so fucked up. But uh, in a car, we just kind of go, oh, that guy's an asshole. Oh, man, he's really pissing me off. Oh, God, he's ruining my day. But that, that person would never do that to you in the flesh. Like, they would never crowd you that way. Yeah, some people do weird shit in the flesh, but most of those people who tailgate cut you off, they would never do the physical equivalent of that if you were just walking or in a store. Like, they probably wouldn't even cut in front of you in line. Like if you were in line at a store, they probably wouldn't cut in front of you, but because they have this bubble of technology around them in the form of a vehicle, they feel comfortable cutting you off. And then so extrapolate that out, extrapolate that out to the internet where it's like you now have that same bubble of technology, but you're even further removed. You're on other sides of the planet. You're in other parts of the country. And so it brings out that same level of hostility and animosity. Like I used to be one of those people who rolled my eyes when you'd see people online and be like, you'd never say that to my face. Oh, you're just a keyboard tough guy. You'd never say that to my face. Now I feel that way. <laughs> now now I'm one of those people who's just like, you'd never say that to my face. And too, like going back to the Hunter Biden thing, my one little experience with what it's like to get screamed at by strangers. Think about me bringing that up socially, like even with Democrats, even with Biden supporters. Like if I, if we were just sitting around at a party and I was like, oh man, last night I heard that that comedian Kate Quigley overdosed on cocaine at her neighbor's house. And she was just talking about how one of her neighbors is Hunter Biden. What do you think about that? I don't think anybody would even get that mad. Like, even if they're sympathetic to the Bidens, I think if I just brought it up like that, they'd be like, oh, that's kind of weird. Hopefully he wasn't there. But the fact that I brought it up online, it like made somebody think that I had an agenda or that I was trying to like make light of it or something. And so it made them scream at me. I don't think somebody would do that in person, although nowadays I wouldn't put it past anybody but it's just having that little thin veil between you and somebody else in the form of technology it really brings something out of people and then now it's applied to everything like i was getting at it doesn't seem to matter what topic it is we just shift from one to the other and there's no level of investment like people weren't invested in ukraine and russia until a week ago and i went to the the post office a couple of days ago And there was a guy driving, like, a Prius in the parking lot, and he had a little Ukrainian flag sticking out on his antenna. He had a little Ukrainian flag, and I was like, he didn't have that a week ago. And, yeah, you know, like, I understand having sympathy for Ukraine, but, like, that guy ordered that on Amazon. That guy ordered that on Amazon. Dude, I know you ordered that little, I I know you ordered that little Ukrainian flag on Amazon. Dude, where'd you order the little Ukrainian flag? Did you get that on Amazon? You get that on Amazon? You get that on Amazon? Hey, dude, you get that on Amazon? You know he ordered that on Amazon. They don't. There's no local stores that sell little Ukrainian flags for your car antenna. <laughs> you know, like maybe you can find an American flag. But that guy like saw that the war was happening and he got online and ordered a little Ukrainian flag and he did not look Ukrainian. And I would know because they're so distinctive looking. He was just like an old liberal guy. He just had that old liberal dude look and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being an old liberal dude, but it was just funny to me that it's like he's letting the entire town of Olympia know that he stands with Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. You know why do people who uh, why does why does looking at airplanes in the sky hurt your neck? Because Ukraine, stupid. Because Ukraine, your neck. Ukraine, your neck. But uh, I don't know. It's just it's just funny to me that like so many people are all in. And, you know, when people have these opinions, it's always things they're not invested in. Like when someone's invested a lot of time familiarizing themselves with a given subject. I find they're more open minded. Like going back to mafia research, like something that I've really it's one of my great passions these days. I find that the people who know the most are actually the most open minded. Like they have so much information that they know how much is possible. And part of that too is they have so much information that they also know how much information we're missing. And because of that, they're more open to the fact that, hey, there's a lot we don't know. We already know this much, but there's a lot we still don't know. And that means I have to be open-minded. And they're also confident. It's like, I've put a lot of time and energy and work into this. Therefore, I'm kind of confident. Like I have a foundation. I'm not trying to prove anything. I found that even with a former mafia member, you know, with Michael, the guy that I know, you know, Michael was a captain in the Gambino family. You can talk to that guy about anything like he wants to know what you know. Like that was the crazy thing about him is like this guy, you know, his, his grandfather was an early mafia member. He knew John Gotti. His entire life was the mafia and he attained a high rank and just through some weird stroke of luck. I was able to talk to him and he's interested in what I have to say. You know what I mean? It's fucking crazy. Like, like he knows that I, I do a lot of research and my friend Angelo, you know, vouched for me and I've had correspondence with Michael and it's like, he's interested in like what I've learned about the subject. He didn't sit there and go, well, I was a high ranking member. And so I'm going to tell you everything. Just shut up. It's like he's curious. He wants to learn more because like he knows so much about that life because it was his entire life from the time he was a kid that he also knows there's a lot he doesn't know and he doesn't have anything to prove. Whereas it's interesting because there's some guys who have YouTube shows and they never made anything of themselves in the mafia like they never became made members. They were just kind of knock around associates who became informants. And they're always trying to brag and talk about all this shit they did and how important they were and how much they know. And they talk way out of line. Like they'll make claims, like they always end up lying. They, all, they always end up making claims that are just total bullshit. But I feel like that's how most people are about whatever the topic of the day is. Like if it's Coronavirus, all these people who don't know anything have these hardline opinions and, and on both sides. You know, it's like people who jump to the conclusion that, like, oh, I know exactly what this is. I know everything about it. That applies to people who were total coronavirus deniers as much as it does people who were all in on mandates, on lockdown, and all that. Like people who think they know. Whereas my approach was like, I don't know anything. This is all really fucking weird. I'm highly skeptical, I don't trust the government. I don't trust big science, but I can't claim to know anything about this. So I'm going to do the bare minimum and, you know, keep an eye out. But it's like with Ukraine, it's like all of a sudden all these people are experts. I understand having sympathy with a country who's being invaded. I, I get it. I really get it, guys. But suddenly these people are like foreign policy experts. They, they know all about the history of, you know, Eastern European borders and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like you didn't care about this a week ago. You ordered a Ukrainian flag for your car antenna a week ago from Amazon next day shipping. I bet you got that Ukrainian flag shipped to your house next day shipping because you got Amazon Prime. I can tell I can tell, dude. I can tell you got Amazon Prime. I can tell you got Amazon Prime. Stupid. Dude, I can tell you got Amazon Prime. I can just tell by your face that you have Amazon Prime. I have Amazon Prime. I have Amazon. What's wrong with Amazon Prime? What's wrong with Amazon Prime? There's a lot wrong with it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't... There's a hardline opinion. But it's fucked up, too, because like I have a friend in Russia. Well, here's the thing. I like I sold some records to a guy in Russia a few months ago, and I was like, I don't even know if I could do that now. I don't know the guy. He's a guy who's into some of the same music and stuff, some obscure music, and he PayPal me and bought some records. And I'm like, I heard yesterday like they're not even letting Russians sign up for new PayPal accounts. Like, I think if you already have a PayPal account in Russia, you're allowed to use it. But I heard they're not letting new Russians have PayPal accounts. And they're freezing everything. They're not letting them use all these the software. Like, they're trying to really hurt the Russian people, I guess, with the motivation being that it's going to, like, cause them to revolt against Putin. But you're really just hurting Russian people who want to live normal lives. Because I was talking to this guy I know. Who lives there? And he was saying how uh, he's a researcher, a mafia researcher. These are the only people I talk to anymore. But he lives in Russia. And he was saying how all of a sudden he can't use all these things. And he was saying even YouTube has suddenly gotten really, really slow and lagging. And he's just like, great. Like he's just a normal dude in Russia. He's just a normal guy. And I was like, that's so crazy that like I've corresponded with this guy for years and just never really thought about the fact that that could be suddenly cut off. That suddenly like this guy's life could be greatly inconvenienced and like they could just cut off the Internet. There was something about not letting Russians use Facebook. It's like, is that a good thing? Is it a good thing to cut them off from the rest of the world? It sounds like some of the things might have a good, uh, you know, a, a silver lining, like not letting them use Netflix. Good. Russians don't, you know, Russians are better off and everybody's better off not watching Netflix. They cut them off from OnlyFans and like Pornhub or something. And it's like, uh, I think that that might be a good thing. I think that might be a good thing. I think it's good that you're not letting Russians look at pornography. Russians are going to end up like accomplishing these great feats. Like the Russian people are going to start accomplishing great engineering feats, because they no longer have Netflix and porn. Just you wait, you're actually helping them. No, but it is crazy how quickly they can just cut all that stuff off. You know, because the 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 internet has turned, it's the internet has basically become the federal government of the world. You know, the internet really has facilitated this sort of new world order environment. It's really kind of crazy. Meanwhile, I don't know, man, I don't have anything to close this out. But yeah, just be careful because it's like it doesn't seem to matter what the topic at hand is a bunch of people who have never invested any time or interest in a given subject at the flick of a wrist will suddenly just double down on the most severe, emotionally unhinged opinion about that thing. And if you don't agree with them, they will hate you. It's just the wildest thing to witness, and it shows you that we haven't, we've made it a long way. As human beings, we've come a long way. But things like that just remind you that it's like we haven't gone that far we might have cars, we might have computers. But it shows you we haven't come that far. Because whatever that is, it's not new. It's been inside of us forever. And it shows you that we haven't quite worked that out. And maybe we never will. Because you you work that out like you gain control over that by acknowledging that it exists. Like you will be a less hateful person if you tell yourself hate is natural. I shouldn't do anything to encourage that thing inside of me that can just rise like bile in my throat. I shouldn't do anything to fan the flames because people hear that. Like if you say like hate is natural, there's a reason why hatred exists in every human being. It has some sort of function. And when you say that, people might think, oh, you're, you're, so you're saying hate is good? No, I'm saying that it's it's there for a reason. And rather than denying that hatred exists, rather than claiming that you yourself don't have some hatred inside of you, not toward anything in, spe- in particular, but just that you have the capacity to hate. By acknowledging that you have that, you can gain cre- greater control over it. Because if you don't believe that you are capable of hatred, it's going to run wild. You're not going to build any kind of infrastructure for dealing with it. And honestly, like talking about me being less angry in the car, not giving people the finger, not calling people names and swearing in the car as much as I used to. Honestly, the reason why I don't anymore, it might just be getting a little bit older But a big reason is that I've built an infrastructure inside of me for dealing with that. And I have outlets too, like this show. I don't think this show is hateful, but it allows me to vent. You have to get that out. And the best way to do it is comedy. The best way to do it is fun. The best way to do it is just to rant now and again. It's why you have friends. I mean, one of the true pleasures of friendship is that you can call each other on the phone and just go I'm gonna rant and you're gonna rant. We're gonna rant back and forth and laugh at some of it. You know that's that's the great thing about having friends. They're people that you can occasionally rant with. So you have to have outlets for it. But you have to build an infrastructure for that so that it gets channeled in the right directions so that you're not like so that you don't have some kind of notification setting on Twitter Where somebody mentions Hunter Biden so that you can see it and respond and go, you fucking piece of shit. Like, that's not a that's not a good infrastructure. Like, if you're online, no matter what somebody's saying, if you're online screaming at somebody, your infrastructure is screwed up or you don't have one. And so you need to build an infrastructure for that. And you know what? People have been doing that forever. Religion deals with that. Spirituality deals with that. Philosophy deals with that. Sometimes you need to do something physical. Physical exertion helps with that. Meditation helps with that. Not that any of these things is the cure, but all of these things play a role. All of these things help create that infrastructure so that you're not that person reacting to everything and acting like that reaction is something you've always felt. Because that's what gets me. People are reacting so severely to so many things and acting like they've always cared about that or always had that opinion or this has always been relevant to them. That's what kind of blows my mind is that whatever the topic of the day is, you'd think that that's something that these people have always cared about and always will care about, but it can shift at the drop of a hat. And that's exactly why you need that infrastructure, because that infrastructure allows new information to come your way. It allows crazy shit to happen in the world. And you're not just reacting to all of it. You're not consumed by all of it. And when you have that infrastructure, you also don't, uh, your brain doesn't get so warped that you forget that you didn't care about this yesterday. And you don't go on Amazon and order a Ukrainian flag with next day shipping, because you don't even need to do that. You don't even need to do that, dude. So, you know, that's just uh, what you got to do if you want to not be one of them. If you want to avoid being in that pit, build an infrastructure that channels your reactions in a way that is fun funny productive when it is negative at least you're doing something with it and you know what you're doing because that's at the core of all this when you see people reacting so severely to so many different things that change every day they don't know what they're doing